Welcome to the Etobicoke Historical Society's monthly oral history podcast. This podcast is one of a series of interviews of senior Etobicoke residents in the 1980s. The interview tapes were recently discovered in the local history room at Richview Public Library. We would like to thank the Toronto Public Library for giving them back to us so they could be made into these podcasts. These oral histories are a valuable and unique view into the history of Etobicoke in the early part of the 20th century, as seen through the personal experiences of local residents. We will be presenting a different interview each month. We hope you enjoy them. took place with Jack Phillips at his home at 30 Government Road. Mr. Phillips, your uncle owned a, uh, a general store in Lambton. That's right. Uh, could you uh, describe it? Well, it had uh, double hexagon window at the front. The entrance was in the middle. She went in the door, there's all fruit in the front window on one side. She went down the west wall. There's canned goods, and underneath were bins. In the bins was uh, sugar, flour, bran. In the bigger bins, you down a little bit further. There's a line about 12, 15 feet long of uh, spice drawers, all different kinds of spices. And uh, below that again were bins for storage for other material. Underneath the counter were bins. Old glass scale there. The countertops were two-inch oak, about 12 inches wide, I suppose, and finished. The refrigeration we had at that time was uh, ice. And uh, the ice box was one that you see in the odd country store today. It took about 400 pounds of ice. And the ice was up at the top, and then down below were the blocks of cheese. And down below that again was bacon and butter and the like. How often would you have to change the ice? Oh, it used to come about twice a week uh, for the simple reason the doors were open so many times in the day and maybe put 150, 200 pounds of ice in each time he came. But uh, that was it. Then you go back further in the store and there's a coffee grinder, numerous kinds of coffee and people would pick up their own blend and uh, other drawers that had all types of nails and tacks, screws, what have you, in them. Across the other side of the store from the back was uh, a storeroom. And in the storeroom, there was a hoist to put uh, goods down cellar that had to be kept cool. Then you come forward a little bit, and uh, their safe was back in there in a little uh, corner sort of thing. Then, in those days, Christie's 
had a display counter of their own. Now, what I mean by that, it was a wall and had drawers in it about uh, 10 inches deep, 8 or 10 inches deep, and uh, oh, about 15 inches across. And the picture on the front of uh, each drawer showed the kind of cookies that were in it. And when people ordered cookies, why, they just come in and picked out their own, a few of these, a few of those, what have you. And uh, on the counter side of that store, of that uh, wall, underneath was a bin, a series of bins. Well, there were potatoes, different kinds, carrots, beets, turnips, whatnot. People would pick up what they wanted and then bring them to the scale and weigh them and give them to them. Then in behind this uh, Christie display on the east side was the post office. And uh, there were separate little uh, mailboxes for people that rented their own box. And then, of course, there was an ordinary mail chute in behind where people that didn't rent uh, had it. Then up the east side of it was, I would call it, the dry goods counter. Leather gloves, overshoes, rubber boots, uh, sweaters, clothing of different descriptions. And uh, right up to the front of that was a little candy counter. You'd get your licorice sticks and grab bags, all different kinds of candies that kids would get for a cent. And uh, that is how it explains the store itself. Then out to the back, when you come in from the south end, there was the driving shed. And on one side of the driving shed, the south side, was hay and straw. And then there was a, a good big dock on the north side of it. And that had the bulk, or the bag, grains and feed, like oak and bran, oats and bran and corn and wheat and what have you. And then uh, north of that again was another small room that had bins again. And uh, people who wanted smaller quantities of different grain, bran and what have you they could buy the small quantity. And in those days, uh, you could get the coarse, rough bran, and they made good uh, bran muffins. Then coming up again to the back end of the store, there's another little storage room where you get the motor oil, coal oil, marpac, uh, charcoal, and the uh, like, and then, of course, uh, been between all this uh, stuff, between the hay and the dock, was the driving shed, originally horses and then later trucks and cars. But that about explains the store. Well, that's at the corner of Dundas and... Well, it was Perry Street at that time, it is now Arlington, Dundas and Arlington. Now, the driving shed's still there, and it's... Uh, uh, the driving shed and the hay and straw and grain dock section is still there, but the smaller part where the uh, 
small bins were for the people who wanted smaller quantities of grains in the lake and uh, where the oil was stored. Uh, that's all gone. Now, the of the existing store, how much of it is left? Is the building still there? The building, yeah. Now, is there anything that's missing off that building, or just the hexagon windows at the front is missing, and then there's that storage spot in the middle uh, between uh, people that use it as a garage now, repair shop and uh, the parking lot between it and the store itself. Now, how long did that, uh, did the store uh, operate? What year did it operate until? Oh, God. About 1944 or 5, I suppose. Uh, I bear to be corrected on that. And it uh, was run by the... Well, my cousin ran it after my grandfather, or after my uncle died. My uncle died in 1937. So what, what, what Rush took it over. What happened? Did the business drop off, or? Well, the chain stores came in, and uh, a lot of the smaller businesses were uh, chopped off, sort of thing. And it kept its its same format until it closed. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, Market Gardeners down what we call down the line, which is now down towards uh, the Queensway. Prince Edward and Royal York, we were market gardeners down there, and they had horses and had to have hay and straw, and we supplied a lot of them with the hay and straw and grain. Where would you get your supplies, such as the, the fresh foods? National, the foods, okay. national grocers as a rule at that time, some Thompsons, I believe. I forget the name of some of them. Now, would you uh, deal with anything like meat or? Just bacon uh, and cooked meats like bologna and ham and the like. How about fish? No, never had fish in there. Never had fish. Okay. Because uh, you had mentioned something about commercial fishers down on the Humber. Commercial fishermen? Yeah. While they were all along the lake. Did you know any of them? or? Well, some of them I met, yeah. Get down there with them, monkeying around, helping them, well, I say helping them repair their nets. Is very little help I did. I didn't know how to tie the knots. Uh, do you remember any of their names? Or No, I don't. Do you say there are a half dozen or fishermen? Or? Oh, there'd be more than that. There, well, your hometown is Burlington, and they went all the way out. Burlington, Hamilton, out that way, in different spots. They were along the credit, Toby Grove Creek. Uh, specifically around the Humber, Humber, north of the Humber River. Oh, there's one or two down there. Remember what type of fish they would catch? Uh, there was bass, I know, and trout, lake trout, and, God, I can't tell you the name of some of the others. Yeah, can you visually remember what they looked like, or how big they were? Or? Oh, they were good-sized fish. Five, six pounds, more? More. Some of them. You can get them anywhere from two or three pounds up to about 12 or 15. Fair size, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, when, did you actually work in the store? Well, I rode the bicycle and served in the store, yes. Part time when I was in school. 
What exactly were the extent of your chores or things you had to do? Most anything. For instance, the worst chore we had was once a month we had to oil the floor. It was one of those maple floors that had to be oiled about once a month. And we were there till about three o'clock in the morning. One Saturday, didn't close the store in those days until nine o'clock Saturday night, and then you couldn't start. And you had to get everything off the floor after that and then oil it. And you said you rode the bicycle. Those were deliveries. Deliveries, yeah. How far, how far afield would you have to go? Well, I have brought carrots and beets and the like from over near the Queensway, bags up them, up to the store. Then uh, most of the deliveries, then of course, are local. Uh, well, when when exactly did you work in the store? What what years? remember? I was about, about 1933 or 34 on. So that uh, I was in the middle of the Depression. Would, would, they, uh, would your uncle extend credit to anyone? Yes. As a matter of fact, I don't think I'd be telling a lie if I said there was still some of it out. <laughs> so a fair amount of credit extended. <laughs> well, the McCaskey, uh, had quite a bit in it. Then, of course, there was relief in those days and the vouchers, and then people would run up bills through the winter when work was scarce. And in the springtime, they have to work it off. So, would anyone uh, exchange their uh, their credit for work or produce no. of some sort? Uh, no. Well, produce, yes. So they would, if someone had a had a large garden, they would supply you with some potatoes or tomatoes or oh, something. Oh yeah, the market gardener, sure. Oh yeah, eggs. As a matter of fact, we used to take the truck in later years and go around Beansville, St. Catharines, and buy the peaches, loaded peaches, and sell them for a decent price and make something on them. Then another thing we used to do is go through Malton and Grahamsville up in that way and take orders one day and deliver them the next. We had to stretch far afield when chain stores started moving in. Now, uh, is your father um, uh, the, the first of your family in, in Lambton or is there members of your family here before? Well, uh, my grandfather came over here. He was, a, as near as we can understand, he was a Welshman, educated in London, and he's in the mechanical trade. He was in, uh, I believe it was the Howland Mill that he was in, involved in. And, uh, Woolen Mill. He was in the Woolen Mill, but he did install machinery in a good many of the mills, even the grist mill. Did he, did he own a mill himself at any point? Partially. Partially. Where was this mill located? On the west bank of the Humber, just below the Natural Falls. Just south of the Natural Falls. This would be south of Dundas. South of Dundas. There's only the one Natural Falls there that I know of. Now, what's, what sort of a mill was it? Woolen Mill. And, uh... Could you tell me a bit more about the mill? Do you remember anything about it? No, it was long gone before I was around. 
I understand there's also a, a canoeing club just north of Dundas. That's the old Dundas, north of the old Dundas, and it would be just about under the existing Dundas Bridge. Coffer Dam went across there, and there's the canoe club above it, and they skated there in the wintertime, held dances. Did you go down there often? It was long gone before my time. The Coffer Dam was gone before? We could see remains of the Coffer Dam, but that's all. Was it, was it stone fill or? It was stone fill and timber. Logs. You uh, mentioned something about Hurricane Hazel and uh, your involvement in it. Could you tell me a bit about that story? Well, I was involved in it all right. I was one of the firemen on the Lampton fire truck. The only three of us got off. Now, you have to fill me in a bit more about that. I well, the river came up, as we understand, about 33 feet, which was unheard of. The dam at Woodbridge broke, and uh, there was a Bailey Bridge at uh, Raymore Drive, and it uh, with all the trees and whatnot that was coming down, it made another dam, and then finally it broke. And down where we were, it came up, uh, oh, we're told about 33 feet. And up until very few years ago, you could see the silt mark on the Dundas Bridge, the existing Dundas Bridge. And, uh, I can see it now, but the ordinary individual wouldn't see it unless they knew what they were looking for and about where to look. You you were down in the valley when this happened? Oh yeah. And you were on the fire truck? Yeah. And what, 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 was, what was the fire truck doing down there? Oh, so uh, we were supposedly going down for a rescue, but... Ended up having to rescue yourself? Well, we didn't find anybody down there. That was it. You wouldn't want to... Uh, tell me what exactly what happened. Uh, well, we get into the water down there when the river started to come up, and we were stranded. Where where exactly was was this being? Told? Well, the culvert was there at that time, and it is still there. And we were just north of the culvert, about uh, oh maybe a hundred feet. And was it a wall of water that came down, or? Well, they call it a wall of water, but really speaking, it came up fast, but it wasn't a wall as such, but it came up fast. So you were stuck on the, on the fire engine? We were on the truck as long as we dared stay, and we tried to swim it, and unfortunately some didn't make it. Now, uh, you were, you're growing up in this area, uh, you started to build up this section of, of Etobicoke. Um, tell me something about uh, uh, which which parts of this area were starting to build up first and the, the building them. Oh, down in the Kingsway, there's a few houses started in there in the 30s. Uh, then up in this area, all oh, the late 30s. 40s, 
trying to really build up then. Now, what 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 sort of people were moving in? Um, what you know, they their businesses were. Or oh, gosh, I have no idea what some of them did. One man worked for a battery company that I know of. Well, a lot of them worked there. But when I was a kid, the people around here, a good many of them either worked uh, for merchants or a few of them downtown, but Canada Packers, Swifts, Stockyards, and the Roundhouse took care of a, a good percentage of the people. That uh, would be the CN or the CP? CP Roundhouse. Yeah. That's uh, in West Toronto? Uh, Runnymede and St. Clair. So they would finish uh, public school or high school and go on to that? Uh, when I was a kid, there were some of them went to the Packers, but most of them went downtown uh, of uh, our generation. What uh, what would you do? Uh, uh, you, you had some free time um, the, when, you, when you're a teenager. Where would you go? And didn't have any free time. We had baseball in the summer, football in the fall, and hockey in the winter. We were busy enough. Football was that an organized uh, league or is it pickup? Uh, no school, mostly. So you'd be playing other other high other schools. Other high schools, yeah. Did you have a very good team or? Oh, at times we did. We had the smallest team and took the championship a good few times. Now, would you ever go down into uh, West Toronto and uh, go shopping down there? or? Yeah. Go see a show? <clears throat> it was called The Junction then. And it cost you all five cents to get down to Keelan Dundas on the Jitney bus. You know who uh, ran that uh, bus service? Great coach. So then. Would run every half hour, every hour? Or? Oh, some would run every 15 minutes. You just link the bus run to Runnymede, uh, and uh, the lamp and, uh, run to Keel. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Etobicoke Historical Society's Oral History Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and like. If you wish to learn more about the work of our society, be sure to visit www.etobicokehistorical.com. See you next month.